welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Today, we've got a topic that is a really important one. We're going to be talking about substance abuse. We're going to be talking about your teenagers and what you can do to be be able to support them, but also to recognize when some things might be going awry and that you might need to support them in some other ways, too. And our guest today is Richard Capriola. And Richard spent 11 years working as an addictions counselor for Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, before retiring in 2019. And he has a brand new book that he's written called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. So we're going to be talking about that. But as you always know, we start the interview talking about fatherhood. But first and foremost, Richard, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today and have a discussion on this very important topic of adolescent substance abuse and how we can help fathers and other family members uh, become more knowledgeable about this and give them some tips on what to look for and how to handle the situation if they find themselves in the middle of it. So like I said, I always start these interviews with some questions. And I know you are a father of a son and you've got four granddaughters as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. What I'd love to do is have you turn the clock a little back in time. And I'm going to say way back in time because I want to go back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a father. And what was going through your head? Oh, it was just total excitement when I learned the news. I I was just overjoyed. It was such a feeling that I don't think I've ever experienced since then. It was just a total overwhelming sense of of joy and happiness. And then throughout my wife's pregnancy, that was an adventure that uh, it's hard to describe in words. And, you know, it was really an interesting experience when my son was born because from the time that she told me that, you know, she needed to go to the hospital until my son was born was a very short period of time. And fortunately, it was in the middle of the night. So I was able to rush through town to get to the hospital. But from the time we arrived at the hospital until my son was born was probably 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. So I barely got up to the room and and was able to be with her when she delivered. But it was an amazing experience. And now you're a grandfather of four granddaughters. Now you raised the son, and now you're helping to raise granddaughters. Tell me about that experience and the difference that you're seeing or the similarities that you're seeing now that you're in this different role. Yeah, I raised my son. uh, You know, unfortunately, his mother passed away when he was very young. So I was in the role of being a single parent raising a young boy. That was quite an experience and quite an adventure. And he is now a very fine young man working in the medical area. I have remarried and my wife has a son and a daughter and both of them have two girls. That's how I get to be a grandfather of four girls ranging from 
The oldest is just beginning her freshman year in high school, and the younger ones are in elementary and just beginning middle school. So I've got that entire adolescent range of, of, of going on. And, and it's, it's quite a difference raising girls than boys. You know, I, I had a cousin who had a large number of kids. He had girls and boys, and, and he often would tell me, you know, raising girls are a lot different than raising boys. He says, sometimes raising these girls, it's like a crisis every day. And I have one granddaughter that it does appear to be a crisis every day. It's the hair, it's the makeup, it's the clothes. And my other granddaughter is completely opposite. You know, nothing phases her. She's not so dramatic and not so much drama with her. Uh, but, but you know, there. They're a joy. They're a joy to, to, to have in my life. And uh, they bring excitement. They bring adventure. They bring challenges. But they bring a lot of blessings as well. They definitely do bring bring challenges, joys, and everything across the board. Our, our children do that. And they, they challenge us every day. And, and sometimes more so than not. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I was excited to be able to talk to you about is the fact that the topic that you wrote about is a tough topic, but it's an important topic. It's a topic that I think every father needs to understand more about and needs to understand, especially today, what that means. Because addiction can come in a lot of different formats. And it's not just alcohol or drugs. There's other types of addiction that are out there, too. And I guess for me... I'd, you've were, you were working in this field for, for 11 years, as I mentioned at the beginning, And you worked with, I'm sure, people of all ages as they were dealing with these type of things. But what made you decide that you wanted to take that next step to be able to write this book, to be able to help parents in this way? You know, so many times when I would meet with a family, when I was working at Menninger Clinic, and I would go through their child's history of using a substance after I did the assessment and met with the child and got the history. So many times when I went through the history and I gave them the diagnosis uh, that their child had a substance use disorder, they would look across at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they would say, I sort of knew something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. And these are good parents. These are very good parents. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. Nobody told them what the warning signs are that they should look out for. So they missed them. And then they began to feel as if they were bad parents. How did I miss these signs? What did I do wrong? What what went wrong? So after I retired from Menninger Clinic, I wanted to write this book to be a resource for parents. And I kept it to around 100 pages because parents don't have time to read volumes of information. So I wanted to keep it to be a quick resource, but yet I wanted to pack it with a lot of information. What are the warning signs that you should look for? What are the assessments you should get done if you think you need to get some assessments done? What are the treatment options that are, that are out there for you? What does a, a good program look like, an evidence-based program? What does it look like? And what questions as a parent should you ask a provider? So, And then there's resources in the book too. 
so I packed all that together in about 100 pages, and I wanted it to be a resource for parents to give them the, the information, to give them the knowledge, hopefully to help them feel more empowered about this topic, less afraid about it, and more prepared to deal with it in the event that they, in the, in the event that they have to, and to know what those warning signs are. So as we look at these warning signs, and I know that you talk a lot about this in in the book itself, but what are some of the top warning signs that parents need to be on the look for in regards to this? Yeah, it's a good question. In, in the book, I have specific warning signs for a child that might be using alcohol, another set of, of warning signs for a child that might be smoking marijuana. There's even warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder or self-harming themselves, because sometimes the eating disorder and the self-injury uh, can accompany a child's use of a substance like alcohol or marijuana. As a general rule, what I advise parents to do is pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. You know your daughter better than anyone else. So pay attention to those changes that you see in her. Don't assume that they're just normal adolescent acting out. They may very well be, but they also might be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface. So some examples would be a child whose grades are starting to decline, a child who used to be very outgoing and personable, uh, now becomes very quiet and isolating, a child who used to enjoy playing sports, no longer wants to participate in sports, a child who very openly introduced you to their friends, you knew who their friends were. You might have even known who their family members were. Now becomes very secretive of who their friends are. Uh, any change in, in, in routines and habits. The longer that these changes go on and the more of these changes you see, then the more concerned you should be as a parent. Now, if these changes last for a day or two, that's probably not something to be too concerned about. But if you start to see these changes last for a period of time and you start to see one of them and then two of them and then three of them, then I think you need to be concerned and and, and get some professional assessments done so that as a parent, you get the best advice as to what's going on and and, and what to do. I can tell that this book is packed with a ton of information. And with what you just said, I mean, that that alone gives you definitely some things to be able to think about, to look at. And I guess for those parents that walked in your office and you were talking about the fact that, that when they walked in, that sometimes when they that they're that what they said to you was we just didn't realize we didn't understand and we knew something was going on but we didn't know what you talk about the the warning signs but what should parents do when they see these warning signs i mean should they confront the child should they look for professional help right away i mean what what are those first steps that someone needs to take if they're seeing these signs or they're seeing other concerning things um, that are leading them to think that there are some things going on. 
I think the first thing you do as a parent is you have a discussion with your child, not an accusing way, not in a threatening way, not in a punishment way, but from an inquiring, inquisitive point of view. I'm seeing these behaviors. I'm curious as to what's going on. I'm concerned about these behaviors. You don't want to accuse the child off the bat of using drugs because you don't know for sure that that's the case. But you are seeing behavior that you're concerned about. So the first thing is to have that conversation with the child from an inquisitive point of view. I'm seeing these things. Can you help me understand why I'm seeing them? And see if the child is willing to open up and talk about these behaviors that you're seeing. Now, that's a conversation that's likely to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up and the child's going to become defensive and argumentative, which you may have seen in the past. Or you may actually learn a few things from the child opening up and and, and, and responding to you. Regardless of how that conversation goes, if you are concerned about your child's behavior and you're not sure what's causing it, I would move to the next step, which is to go through the assessments that I outline in my book. Get an addictions assessment to either rule in or rule out whether your child has been using substances. Get a psychological or a neuropsychological assessment to figure out if there's any underlying issues that might be bothering your child. And maybe uh, they use a substance to medicate it medicate uh, those those underlying issues. Many of the young children that, that I was working with, the adolescents who were smoking marijuana multiple times a day, when I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking the marijuana, the number one answer that came back was, it helps me with my anxiety. It helps me with my anxiety. So for some kids, not all kids, but for some kids, there may be an underlying issue that needs to be addressed. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's being bullied at school that you as a parent knew nothing about. There could be a lot of different reasons. But as a parent, you want to know if any of those underlying conditions are there. Because in addition to treating for the substance use, if it's there, you're going to want to get treatment for any of those underlying issues that are discovered as well. So those assessments are very important to give you as a parent the information and the roadmap as to what you should do next. And what about for families that have more than one child? And I can only imagine that the having a child that is going through substance abuse is going to impact the rest of the family in many different ways. And that type of impact leaves residue and definitely leaves things in its wake. So I guess the the one question that I would have is, what should parents be doing in regards to not only getting help for the child that is having the substance abuse issues and having those conversations with that child, but how do we start the healing process within the entire family to be able to help the other kids and also the rest of the family to come back together through this? That's a great question because uh, a lot of times the focus is on the child who's using a substance and we neglect that the parents and, and any siblings are also going through a very difficult, stressful time. And my message to them is 
don't neglect yourself. The entire family needs help, not just the child who's using a substance, but the, the, the parents need help, the siblings need help. So, you know, find a, a resource. Maybe it's a good friend. Maybe it's another family member. Maybe it's a professional counselor. Find somebody that can be there for you so that you as a parent have a support system and that you can also build that support system for the siblings that are around there so that you can be a good support system for them because this is something that's going to affect the entire family. I can only imagine that it will affect the entire family and probably the extended family too. That yes. that that has ramifications and that those ripples will continue to get wider and wider, you know, depending on how long it goes. And I'm sure there's some healing that might have to happen beyond your family inside your own home, but healing that has to happen amongst your additional outside family, friends, and beyond. Yes, and 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 the other message I have is a, is a is a message of hope, because we know that treatment works. So there is hope that your child can recover from using any substances. There is hope that your family can recover from the crisis. The sooner that you discover the problem, the sooner you intervene, the sooner that you get options for treatment, then the sooner that the family can start to get through this process, through the healing process and the recovery process and move on. So there is hope. Now, in looking on your website, you do have a website called helptheaddictedchild.com. I do notice that not only is there the book, but you also have a workbook. Now, talk to me about the difference between the two and what is best for someone that is interested in delving deeper on this? Well, the book itself is educational. It's meant to give you, as as a parent, the basic information to understand this issue of adolescent substance abuse. It's going to give you an overview of the drugs that are out on the street, because many parents don't know about some of these drugs. They know about alcohol and marijuana, but they may not know about some of these other drugs that, that kids have access to. It's going to help you understand how these drugs work in the developing brain and the importance of protecting your child's developing brain. Uh, And then the other things like the assessments and resources. The parent workbook was written, and it's a very short workbook. It was written because I recognize that parents need help too. So the main book is educational, but the parent workbook has exercises in it that help parents cope with what they're dealing with. For example, one of the exercises is the parent writes a letter to their child. They don't have to share it with their child, but they write a letter to their child telling, writing down how this has affected them as a parent and how it's affected their their family. There's an exercise in a very brief exercise about how to deal with anxiety. It's a breathing exercise. There are some tips on how to communicate with your child. You know, we're very good at at listening to each other's words so that when we're talking to our our child, we're very good at hearing the words, but sometimes we're not as good at, at hearing the feelings behind those words. And that's a skill that every father and every parent can practice and can learn so that when we're talking to our children, we're not hearing just their words, we're hearing the feelings behind those words and reflecting them back. And that 
that can be very powerful communication. So there's a brief exercise in the in the workbook on how to do that. So uh, I would encourage anyone to um, any father to to not only get the book and, and read it so that you have the basic information, but get a copy of the workbook too, uh, so that uh, you can see those exercises that are in there and pick up these tips. Well, this is amazing information. I can tell that this book is definitely something that that all parents can learn from. And though not all of us are, are going to have to deal with it, you just never know. And that being said, it can happen in anyone's home. And these type of situations can come up in anyone's life. That's a great point because even if you don't need it for yourself right now, you may need it down the road or you may have a friend or know another family that's going through this and and perhaps you could share it with them. The other thing that I would say is picking up on your point is no child, no child is immune from being captured by alcohol or drugs. No child. Every child is at risk. It doesn't matter where you live, urban, suburban, rural area. It doesn't matter your income level. It doesn't matter where you send your child to school. Every child is at risk. These drugs are widely available, and and kids know that these drugs are widely available. When we ask, for example, high school seniors, how easy is it for you to find marijuana? Almost 80% of them tell us it's not a problem. I can find it. They say the same thing about alcohol. And 30% of them tell us if they want to find a substance like LSD, that's no big deal either. We know where we can get it. So these drugs are widely available. Also, these kids do not believe these are When we ask high school seniors, how harmful is it do you think smoking marijuana on a regular basis is? How harmful do you think it is? Only 30% tell us they think that's harmful. That's an amazing statistic and, and definitely something that I would not have thought about. And I don't know that every parent would think about in that regard. Well, I truly appreciate you sharing all of this. And we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. In one word, what is fatherhood? Blessings. Now, if I was to ask your son, how would he describe you as a father? That's a good one. Um, I I think, uh, depending on the situation that he's in, he would describe me as being controlling, or he might then describe me as being supportive. Depends on the time of day, right? Depends on his age. <laughs> you know, when he was too. when he was younger, he, it was very much he would he would say controlling. But as he got into adulthood and moved on, I think he would say it's been more supportive. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad, but also a better grandfather as you continue through your life? They do. My son and my granddaughters, they, they, are, they are the inspiration to wanting to be not only a good example, uh, to set, set a good example, but to be as supportive and as encouraging and to be as good a role model as I can. And you've given a ton of different pieces of advice that I think everyone is probably fr- was probably frantically writing down as they will go through, as they went through and listened to this today. But as you leave today, what piece of advice would you want to leave with fathers? I would say 
in regard to this very difficult issue of adolescent substance abuse, don't become paranoid about it. Don't become fearful of it. Knowledge is power. Learn as much as you can. Get the basic information so that you feel better prepared. Hopefully, you'll never need this information. You'll never need to use it, but you will have it there if you or a friend or another relative needs it. But just be be informed. Be informed and feel better prepared and hopefully less afraid. Don't avoid this. Don't take the position that it can never happen, but become knowledgeable, become informed, and feel more secure and better prepared. Well, Richard, I just want to say thank you for being here. And I know I mentioned it, but if someone wants to find your book, if they want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? They can either go to Amazon or the easiest thing to do is to go to the book's website, which is helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. When they go to the site, they can read endorsements, they can read reviews, uh, they can read a sample chapter. And there's a link that will take them to Amazon where the book is available as a Kindle uh, for people people who like to read on their Kindle, uh, for people who like to uh, have a paperback copy so they can highlight it and keep it on the bookshelf and mark it up. There's a paperback version as well. And if they want the parent workbook, they'll be able to order that through. So the link will take them directly to Amazon. Well, Richard, thank you for everything today, and I wish you all the best. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. And thank you for your contributions. They were, they were very helpful. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the one to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be